Sometimes it causes me to tremble 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 Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Good evening. Tonight we celebrate what we refer to as Good Friday. And we reflect upon the cruelty and the sorrow of the cross for our Lord Jesus Christ. And so tonight we want to do something a little bit different and just let it be reflective for you. We're just going to sing and put out some thoughts for you to ponder. Uh, you won't be fully preached to or entertained in any way. We just want this to be a night of deep reflection and, re and uh, pondering for you. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we do come before you trembling in awe of the sacrifice that you made for each and every one of us to save us from our sins and to reconcile us back to God forever. And help us, Lord, to hear what you have to say to us tonight. Encourage our hearts with your love. Help us to know the depth of your passion to have a personal relationship with each and every one of us. And most of all, Lord, help us to glorify and bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we reflect upon the the cross and we reflect upon Christ on the cross, we will examine his last seven statements to us. And in these statements, we see both his human nature and his divine. As a human being, he died on the cross to take our place for our sins. And in his divinity, without any sin of his own, he purchased us back unto eternal life from sin. And so both God and man are needed to accomplish this good and final work. Jesus is the God-man. And so as we look at the first statement on the cross, Father, forgive these people, for they don't know what they are doing. We were reminded that only the love of God could forgive those who cruelly trespass against us. Only the love of God could invite one's oppressors into fellowship. By forgiving those who are causing him such horrific suffering, Christ demonstrates his divinity. By pleading for those who are mocking and beating him, Christ reveals God's unconditional love for us. And by defending those who are killing him, Christ reveals our need for God to help us see the sin that we cannot see in ourselves. Sing this with us. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because 
you my king would die for me replied, Today you will be with me in paradise. This is a solemn promise. Luke writes that when they came to the place called Skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And God has his reasons for decreeing that Jesus should hang between two criminals. He wanted to demonstrate the depth of shame to which his son was willing to descend into our humanity. At Christ's birth, he was surrounded by field animals, and now in his death with criminals. No one can say that God stayed aloof from the brokenness of this fallen world. He descended into our shame so that we might ascend with him into his glory. And so we see Christ's divinity as he speaks with the ultimate authority over this man's soul. To the thief who acknowledged Christ's innocence and power, Jesus promised today you will be with me in paradise. And what a promise that is for us today. When death calls our name, we who also acknowledge Christ's innocence and power and work on the cross, 
will be with God in paradise forever. It all depends how we respond to this God-man who died to forgive our sins and bring us new life with God. Will you please stand as we continue to worship him? saw his mother standing there beside, beside me, John wrote, 
his close friend, he said to her, he is your son. Here again, we see both the humanity and the deity of Christ. In his humanity, we see his human love and concern for the well-being of his mother. In those days, a widow had a much more difficult time surviving than even today. And so in the midst of all the suffering Jesus was enduring, he thought of his mother. And in all that he was accomplishing on the cross for all humanity, he was not unmindful of the material provision a bereaved widowed mother would need. And this also reveals to us his deity, God's heart for the widow and the grieving mothers. How tender of God to make sure this woman was properly cared for in the grand scheme of God's plan for all humanity. This is God's power and tenderness displayed for us to embrace and worship. should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure how great the pain of searing loss the father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory sin upon his shoulders ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers it was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished his dying breath has brought me life I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Then Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabathani, 
My God, my God, why have you deserted me? At the sixth hour, darkness came over the land about noon. A strange sight, I am sure, for those who witness this phenomenon. But darkness is always associated with the judgment of God regarding sin. At darkness, as darkness takes over the day, we see the judgment of God over our sins. Jesus became legally guilty for our sins. Legally guilty for genocide. Legally guilty for child abuse. Legally guilty for murder, adultery, greed, immorality, and every form of sin on this earth. And for that, he experienced God's ultimate judgment against sin, which is separation from God. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did Jesus endure this ultimate judgment of being separated from God the Father? Because this is the ultimate judgment he came to save us from. Our sins, whatever form they take, separate us from God. This is where we see the humanity of Christ most clearly, feeling all the distance from God we experience from our sin. But all we have to do is respond to the judgment Christ took on for us with confession, repentance, and faith in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Then anew 
sing hallelujah what a savior hallelujah what a savior hallelujah what a It's already been said that uh, the humanity of Jesus becomes even more clear and apparent upon the cross. And when we think about the cross, we think about Jesus being both fully divine and fully human, which is a pretty difficult thing to wrap our minds, our intellects around. But I think what's even more difficult is to consider how God, the creator of the universe, finds himself subjected to the cruelty and the evil of this planet. And so in some way, it must have been impossible to have accomplished what was accomplished outside of being subjected to it. And you and I know what it's like to be in the midst of suffering and despair. And Jesus' humanity comes to the fore in these last few words in which he says, I thirst. God, the creator of the universe who made all things in Genesis chapter 3 and chapter 1 on the third day creates uh, the seas and the dry ground is the one now crying out for water himself. As I think about my life and I think about how God has engaged me, I wonder if in the midst of your difficulty, in the midst of your struggle, trial, I wonder if you thirst for God the way I do. In the midst of thirsting for God, I just wonder if I might ask today, how is it that you do thirst for God? And as you thirst, come to him and ask for him to quench. And so in the next few moments, as we go into the next song, I just lay that question before you. How do you thirst for God? And ask him to come and quench that longing. stand as we sing to him. There's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. There's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide. All the love I've ever found comes like a flood, comes slowing down. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in love you. I'm in love you. Where your love ran red and my sin washed white, I owe all to you, I owe all to you, Jesus. There's a place where sin and shame are powerless. Oh 
like a flood comes flowing down. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in of you. I'm in of you. Where your love ran red and my sin washed white. I hold to you, I hold to you, here my hope is found, here on holy ground, here I bow down, here I bow down, here arms open wide, here you saved my life, here I bow down. At the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in of you. I'm in of you. Where your love ran red and my sin washed white, I hold to you. I hold to you. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in of you, I'm in of you, where your love ran red and my sin washed white. I hold all to you, I hold all to you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Everything created in the earth and the physical realm in which we live has a beginning and it has an end. The interesting thing about John's gospel as he writes in the first chapter is that he says Jesus did have no beginning. He was there with God. So how does an eternal being come to say it's finished? It's interesting to think about the words that Jesus says in these moments because something began, a work that God was doing with you and with me, and it had come to completion in these moments. In his last breaths, with the last heaves of his chest, and crying out to his heavenly Father, it becomes accomplished. And when something ends, something always begins. And the beauty of this statement is that when Jesus says it is finished, what begins is the good work of God in your life and in mine. This is the place in which God's acceptance becomes a free gift to everyone who will follow. The amazing part about it is finished is that there's going to be a new day on Sunday. So it may be finished for the moment, it may be done for now, but the hope that you and I have in knowing this story is that there's always resurrection. There's always a new day. So whatever's ending in your life right now, whatever's coming to an end, whether it's the life of a loved one, it's a job, it's a relationship, have hope in the fact there's always a new beginning. Because we worship a God who was not created and had no beginning and has no end. And although one day we may take our last breath and it will be finished for us, 
It's never finished for God. And so when you see terminations in your life, when you see things that are coming to an end, and you're praying about it, have hope that when something finishes, something always begins. What is that that's happening in your life tonight?
so what are you supposed to do when there are no options? What do you do when you find yourself carrying a cross in your life and there's only one way? What do you do in the middle of the trial, the difficulty, uh, the impossibility of what you're facing, and there's really nothing that can be done on your part or anybody else's? What are we to do? And Jesus is in the same position as he hangs upon a tree, breathing his last, dying a death that he did not deserve, but you and I escaped. And his final words are, into your hands I commit my spirit. And I think no matter what you've sort of meditated on this evening, what's caught your heart or your mind, and that you've offered up to God, that's a difficulty or a struggle or a place in your life that isn't ideal and you wish would adjust, I think all of us at the end of this evening can say, into your hands I commit my spirit. I think that's the answer to the only thing <laughs> when there's nothing that can be done. I think the answer is to say, I put it in your hands.